If you have your Bibles this morning, if you'll turn with me to the 23rd Psalms, I'd like to read a a couple of verses from the Psalms this morning. Kids, years ago, before you and I could go turn the water on at the tap, they had another way of getting water to drink. And when I was a boy, I watched a a person do this at their home. They used to dig a big well, and many times if they could, they'd dig it and it'd become like part of the porch. And when they wanted water, they had this little crank thing, and they had a rope wrapped around it and a bucket tied on it, and they would tie that bucket to the end of that cord in this big round well tile. They'd drop the bucket down, and they'd let the crank down. It hit the water, and you could feel the weight of it. And then you'd take that crank, and you'd pull it all the way up until it got all the way where you could reach the handle. And then they'd reach over in the well and grab the handle and set the bucket out on the concrete beside. And the water would be fresh, and it'd be clean, and it'd be cold. They call that drawing from the well. Where do we get our water? Well, we buyers at the store, Brooke Ken, it's in a bottle. Of course we do. Or we run it out of the faucet. But the one thing you and I realize is that we need something to drink. And from which do we draw the water of life? I want to talk to you this morning about drawing from the well of God. Getting the spiritual, emotional satisfaction in life that we need. Not from the world around us. But from the well of God. I don't know about you, but I've I've watched uh, people's pets. I've watched my pet. I can have cold water in a container close by. But if I'm out somewhere working and the dog gets thirsty and there's some water, it may be in an old bucket or an old tile or just about anything, but if they're thirsty, where do they go? They go drink it out of whatever's close by. You see, the truth of the matter is, oftentimes, so do we. We drink from the wells of this world, from the life of this world. Oftentimes, water, if you will, that is tremendously contaminated. And it has a big impact on us physically, emotionally, and spiritually. I want to read you a couple of verses in Psalms 23. David said this, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. You have heard that all of your life. What does it mean? What is God saying to us? Would you bow with me for a moment of prayer? Father, in these moments, awaken our minds and our hearts. Remind us that the real satisfaction in life doesn't come from the things in the world around us, but from you. Remind us that that our relationship with you is key to the health of our soul and the happiness of our lives. Oh Lord, you're here with us today. You have led me down this path, and I know there's a reason. And so, Father, in these few moments, as you have challenged our hearts and our souls by music, 
We pray, Father, you'll challenge us by your word. In Christ's name, Lord, we pray. Amen. When David said, the Lord is my shepherd, the word Lord is a translation. Elohim, a high. That's what he said, and it basically means this. There's two words there, the word for God and the word for shepherd. And what David was saying is, God is my shepherd. Of all the people in the world to have that's looking after you and taking care of you and providing for you, isn't it wonderful to know that God is the one that's watching after us? Will we live in the foolishness of rebellion or will we live in the fullness of faith? Do we rebel against God as our shepherd or do we say, Lord, I'm going to just trust you and see how this goes. I want to walk with you and let your word be applied to my life in the way I live. I want to let you be my shepherd and see how life goes. God is our heavenly father who is looking after us. Sometimes our faith wavers. Sometimes like John the Baptist with his life on the line soon to be executed. He sent a message with his disciples to ask Jesus this. Are you the one? Or do we need to wait for another? Folks, when your life is on the line, you want to be sure you've made a sure bet. Does that make sense? And Jesus wasn't exactly what he expected. Jesus sent this message back to him. Jesus said, the blind see, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the poor, the poor, the ones the world doesn't care about, the poor have the good news preached to them. What was he saying to John the Baptist? You bet I am. I may not be exactly what you anticipated. I may not be exactly what you expected. But I, as you experienced that day, was God the Son come to earth to meet the needs of humanity. There are times that we question, God, I don't understand what you're doing. We need to be reminded who our shepherd is. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. This is the one who watches over you, over your destiny. He is the one who put the universe into being. In the book of Genesis, it describes the fact that Jesus was there with the Father when they created the world. I read somewhere a while back that if we took the largest telescope we have in existence... And we took it to the nearest star. Now, you and I know we can't touch a star. We know what would happen to us. But if we could arrive at that destination, at that distance from earth, and turn that telescope around and look back at the earth, we're so tiny, we wouldn't even be able to see the earth. God's creation is beyond imagination. God is in his bigness and his greatness is beyond our comprehension. And yet he considered us of such value that everyone... The Bible says he knows the number of every hair on your head. And for some of us, that's changing daily. God knows. He knows you in the greatest detail. And he is your shepherd. 
when we accept the Good Shepherd. We exchange a life lived under the fickle whims of personal choice for the adventure of living the productive life guided by God. That's the exchange we make. Do we live under our fickle desires that changes today and changes tomorrow? Or do we set out on an adventure? See what God wants to do with our life. He was caught up in Watergate and ended up in prison. Mastermind, a genius. In prison he was converted and came to Christ. And later on in his life as he writes his book, he would become one of the greatest and most well-known ministers to prisoners in our world. You see, God took his gift and he used it in a different direction. And so God will do with you and I. When we accept the good shepherd, we exchange that life. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. He is the source, if you will. Now listen to me carefully. Of our security. He is a God so big that he can handle that. He is the source of your security, if you will. In short, he's got you back. He's got you back. Now, that's a term we understand. What a comfort to know it is God who is watching out for us and for our life. The Lord is my shepherd. He is the captain of my journey. He is the shepherd of my life. And then he goes on to say, and he says, and I shall not want. Now, what does that mean? The word literally means to suffer won't. To be doing without When the concentration camps were emptied, when the Allies finally got there to set free those that were left alive, when the children were released, the story tells of some small children who had managed at that point not to be executed to still be alive. They fed them, they cared for them, and they passed out apples. One of the caregivers watched one little boy that just held on to that apple. For a day, for a week, they fed them every day and he held on to the apple. He held on to the apple so long, it was coming to the point that it was about to ruin. Now you know and I know an apple lasts a long time. And the worker became concerned and he, and he talked to, to the psychiatrist that was in charge of these children who had been under such trauma. He said, I don't understand, why won't he eat the apple? And this is what he told him. That little boy knows as long as he has that apple, he will eat tomorrow. He will eat tomorrow. We all need to be able to live in the security that not only today but tomorrow is in the hands of a God who's watching over us. That little boy knew that they may take all the food away from him today, but if he had that apple tomorrow... He'd still have something to eat. He had done without so long. He'd been hungry so much. He needed the security of knowing that there would be something in the days ahead. Shikai Yokoi was a Japanese soldier during World War II. He was on the island of Guam when the Americans came in and finally retook the island. 
Many of the Japanese got away. Many were made prisoners at that point in the war. Shikai found a cave and hid. Not for a week, not for a month, but for years. He lived off frogs and snails and mangoes and nuts. He knew that as long as he could stay deep in the jungles in that cave, the enemy could never get him. The sad reality was, it was 28 years later when someone saw him and convinced him that he was no longer in danger and helped him back to society. We live in want too many times, much like Shekai. Too proud to turn to God and too afraid to fail if we do. But Ken, I can't live up to it. Of course you can't. None of us can. When we trust Jesus Christ as our Savior, we throw it all in the bucket and say, Lord, here I am. You're going to have to take me like I am. I ask you to forgive me of my past and I put the future in your hands. If you think you're going to start living for Jesus and do everything right, you can forget it. You're not. But by His grace and glory, He'll help you grow one step at a time. It is the beginning of the journey. He is the source, if you will. He is also the source of your safety. He is the one who can calm your fears and steady your steps. In this passage, he says, He maketh me to lie down. What in the world does that mean? Have you ever been in a hospital waiting room with somebody that's got somebody in surgery and odds are not real good? Some of us do this. Some of us do this. Back and forth. Pace the floor. We need someone to put their hand on our shoulder and say, I'm right here with you. But that someone we need is God. It is almost impossible for these creatures we call sheep to settle down. They are nervous creatures. I'm told that a jackrabbit can jump up and run through the flock and stormpede a whole flock of sheep. Have you ever seen anything as ferocious as a jackrabbit? It is not the fear that is there. It is the anticipation of it. Like a man pacing the floor in an emergency room, there are times we are robbed of peace by the fear of the possibilities of what can happen. It's like a parent unable to sleep because their young teenager who just got his driver's license is out on a date and they can't go to sleep till they hear that door close and that bedroom door shut. They are worried. Now guys, I know y'all, oh, that's ridiculous. Yeah, it's true. We need to know the Lord is our source of safety. Kids, have you settled the issue of eternal life? Have you settled that issue in your life? Several years ago, I was doing a revival north of Montgomery, Alabama. I was a teenager. I was 19 years old, preaching revivals. One night, as I offered an invitation, uh, I didn't realize it. But a teenage girl, about 14 years old, 
was deeply convicted. That night she went home, she had a dream. The next night during the revival service, she came forward during the invitation. She said, Brother Ken, last night I dreamed that I had missed my last opportunity to trust Jesus. And I woke up startled by it. I realize I need Christ in my life. And I want to come forward tonight and give my heart and life to the Lord. Folks, have we realized that? Have we settled that issue in our life? We may be 14 years old. We may be 84 years old. Jesus is the source of our safety. Do you have peace that Jesus has given you eternal life? Or do you live in the restlessness of an uncertain future? Jesus said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The greatest rest in life to know that issue settled. That issue is settled. Nothing so settles the sheep like the presence of the shepherd in the field. Have you ever had a child, a small child, say, stay with me, don't leave. What does that mean? That means they're at peace as long as wherever they're at, you're in their presence. He is the source of our safety. I don't always get to be there, but I, I really like, if at all possible, if someone church is having surgery, I like to try to be there and have prayer with them before they go in. Now, sometimes I have to do that the night before. Sometimes maybe I don't make it quick enough in the morning. The traffic gets ahead of me. But my heart's goal and desire is always to be there and have prayer with them before they go to surgery. Now, everybody don't want that. Why? Not because I'm important. Folks, I don't matter. But what is important is that when they go into surgery, they realize that someone's talked to God. Someone has intervened with God before them. And that they are in God's hands. That's what they want to know. In life, we never know what tomorrow brings, so we have a choice. We can live in the fear of the future or in the peace of Christ. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of sound mind, Paul wrote in 2 Timothy. What that sound mind part about? That means when we have put it in the Lord's hands, He can give us peace in the midst of the storm and the turmoil in a world around us. In our dilemmas, the Holy Spirit reminds us God is not only with us, but He is deeply involved in your life and the good outcome that may take place. Third, the Good Shepherd is our source of satisfaction. He leads me beside still waters. The picture here is satisfaction. There's nothing the sheep longs for more than to, to find the water that can quench the thirst. When the sheep become thirsty, they become restless. They will seek out and search for water to satisfy that thirst. They will drink from any old dirty pool, like I talked about the dog, to satisfy the thirst. Men and women are often thirsty for God, searching for that that will satisfy them completely. The only problem is, they are often unsure where to look. And what they're looking for. 
Augustine of Africa wrote, O God, thou hast made us for thyself, and our souls are restlessly searching for thee, to find our rest in thee. Many have tried to drink deeply from the wells of this world, only to turn around unsatisfied and discontented. Solomon tried it all. He tried drunkenness with alcohol. He tried immorality with women. He tried prestige. He tried power. He tried wealth. He had so much money, kids. There was fleet ships bringing him gold from gold mines from foreign lands. And yet when it came to the end of his life, he looked back at his selfish, godless behavior. And he said, vanity of vanity is all is vanity. Why? Because he had invested his life in the wrong direction. All he had found was emptiness. We try to quench our thirst in many ways. The woman at the well tried to quench her thirst through many sexual partners. The rich young ruler tried with his money. Nicodemus was a good man. And he had tried to satisfy the thirst of his soul with good deeds. But he came to Jesus because he had realized that no matter how hard he tried, he could not be good enough to satisfy God. Alexander the Great was one of the most famous conquerors of all of history. Yet at 33, 34 years old, I don't remember exactly, he died in a drunken behavior. And he said before he would die, he said, thrust thy hand into my soul, sigh and see that it's empty. He was the greatest conqueror of humanity. But even that achievement was empty. It was not the need of his soul. We try to satisfy our spiritual need through these worldly objects. Our society is riddled with drugs, alcohol, gambling, and sexual promiscuity, all of which are attempts to satisfy the need of the heart with the things of this world. Now, don't misunderstand me. The things of this world have their place. God didn't give us to them not to experience some of the joys of life. But if we think we're going to satisfy all our need with things, I don't care how many things you've got, you're never going to find happiness. Why do you think the beautiful, wealthy movie stars of the world are so miserable? Money won't buy what their heart really needs. The bottom line is we seek His will. Through his word. As we follow his will prayerfully, he will satisfy our soul. Paul Getty was an oil billionaire. When he was finally at the point that he was about to retire, they had calculated he was worth $1 billion. My math don't go that far. <laughs> and they asked him, he said, well, uh, trying to comfort him that he's about to retire, said, well, we understand you've got about a billion dollars. And he paced. History says he paced back and forth in his head. And he's calculating in his mind how much money he has acquired. And he says, yeah, yeah, but you don't know. A, a billion won't go as far as it used to. It doesn't matter how much I have. It doesn't matter how many possessions I own. By God's grace, may we have the wisdom to enjoy what he's blessed us with. But may they never be the source of our effort to satisfy our soul.
As he cleaned the wounds, the missionary doctor confronted by his friend said, Why in the world would you leave a practice in America where you could have anything you want to come over here? With a big smile on his face as he cleaned a nasty wound, he said, But man, this is living. You see, God knows the things in your heart that will satisfy your life. Make you feel that your life is worthwhile and valuable and meaningful and useful and successful. He knows the need of your soul. I don't. But He does. And if you'll let Him, He'll help you find that journey in your life. Dr. James Dobson's dad. Now, kids, if you don't know Dr. James Dobson in, in my generation... He was one of the greatest Christian child psychologists I guess it's ever been. Godly man. New children inside and out. His dad was a godly man and one he admired. And his dad told him, he said, God called me into the ministry and I didn't want to go. He said, said, Dad told me I loved art. My skills were in artistic abilities and and I enjoyed art and I went on to college and I took all the art I could and I studied for the ministry. He said, when I finally graduated, I said, okay, God, you know I love art, but you've called me to the ministry. What do you want me to do? He said, my first and last job, God called me to minister as the art teacher of a Christian college. Now, guys, I think that's funny. I think that's hilarious. Because you know what God did? He took his committed godly heart and he invested it in the lives of students to teach them about Jesus as he did what he loved more than anything else. When you get decide to get married, kids, pray and ask God to guide you. He's not going to lead you in the wrong direction. When you decide about an occupation, pray and ask God to lead you. He's not going to lead you in the wrong direction. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. The good shepherd is our source to renewal. One fourth thought. He restoreth my soul. In the Psalms 42, 11, it says, Why hast thou cast down, O thy soul? In shepherd's terms, it meant this. If a sheep laid down and got on its back too long, it couldn't get up. Something happens on the inside. They begin to bloat. They can't get up. If they're a little bit sick and they get rolled over on their back, they're there. If the shepherd doesn't arrive literally in minutes, it will die. That's what it's talking about. It is the picture of the shepherd getting there in time to get it up, to restore it, to get it back on its feet before it dies. It is a picture of God restoring our broken and messed up and sometimes bad taken decision lives and restoring us, getting us, if you will, back on our feet. That's the picture. When life has taken the wind out of your sails, the heart out of your hope, and the hum out of your voice, He is there to restore. Isn't that beautiful? He is the source of your security. He's got you back. 
He is the source of your safety. He gives peace. He is the source of your satisfaction. He knows the needs of your heart. And He is the source of renewal. He is the one who heals our wounds and restores our life. He is the well from which we draw, the shepherd of our journey, and the captain of the mission He has assigned us. Why would we want to follow anybody else? In short, David said, God is my shepherd. I will not suffer want. Have we discovered that? Have we trusted our life into His hands? Can we say like a small child as they grasp our hand, stay with me to God? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Oh, Father, there are those here today who have never trusted you. They've thought about it. They've prayed about it. They've struggled with it. I pray today they will accept you as their shepherd. They will ask you to forgive them of their sins, to come into their life, and to be their personal Savior. Lord, if you have convicted the heart of one today, give them your courage to do for you that you might do for them all that you desire. In Jesus' name I pray.